This is Next Level, an Align Life Pro real-life case study that follows the queen of coaching, Kristen Tabbert, and New York Times best-selling author, Michael Linton, as they guide me, Mike Gandolfo, a small business owner, on a journey to triple my business. We invite you to join us so that we can all learn to become better leaders that know how to work on their business and not just in their business. All right, welcome back to the Align Life Pro. Again, this is Next Level, the real-life case study of taking my real estate business. I'm Mike Gandolfo in Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, and we're going to try to triple it. And with the, I've got the help of two outstanding people, uh, the queen of coaching, Kristen Tabbert, and Boomer, the New York Times bestselling author, Michael Lennington. Uh, how are you guys doing? Good. I'm glad to be back and doing this again. I've really missed this. Oh, I tell you what, it's, we needed the break. I think the break was good, but it does feel right. And, you know, I, I think if you don't have the break, then, you know, it starts to become a little bit more of a chore. Uh, we're getting ready to start. Well, we by this time, this when this airs, we will have already started the horse racing show back up too. So Ooh. on the road to the Kentucky Derby. Oh, that sounds Indeed. fun. I've already had my first call of the year. Hey, can I get free derby tickets? I don't know <laughs> where people think that I get derby tickets or free derby tickets. None of that stuff exists. So that does not happen. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I'm just really excited about just kind of rolling and we're in, we're in failure February, which sounds negative, but it should be really positive making. And so part of the whole uh, thing that we challenge you is the, just the way you think about certain terms. Uh, we want you to, to think differently about failure. It's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. It's only a bad thing if you stop. Right. Uh, and maybe you needed to stop. So maybe it's maybe, maybe then it's not a bad thing. Um but one of those words that we want to reshape our thinking around that has a very negative connotation um, is the word accountability, Michael. And you just wrote your book, Uncommon Accountability. It's available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble. Uh, it's a great read. It's getting very good reviews. Uh, go out there and, and take a look. And um, yeah, I mean, what, how do most people view accountability, Michael? Um, you know, I'm going to talk about accountability, but, but before I do that, I, I just want to touch on something is that, you know, I, I just so everybody knows Mike's Mike is not being totally truthful. He, he has access to all sorts of derby tickets and all you have to do is call him up. Or <laughs> not email true. Him. Nope. Don't do that. Please do not. No. <laughs> I'm Actually, kidding. Guys. He doesn't. Unfortunately, my, my source of derby tickets, I mean, cause we had the family box was my grandmother and of course she passed away. So yeah. So, yeah, so I, not, do those not, um, go on to the next generation well they they kind of do uh you had to, we had to put them in a family partnership but i think my uncle's the one who's going to control those tickets moving forward so but i think at the end of the day we just need to have an online life pro derby box you know there you go i'm i'm in for that yeah, and an online life pro horse yeah with to go with colors it. for the yeah. silks we get we an online life, pro, life pro, pro bourbon too just in case <laughs> well we can we have an already solutions bourbon that's that's true about. that's true so if we go with the Alignlight Pro Derby box, there's six seats. The four of us go, and then I guess we'll have to come up with some creative way to reward the other two seats to you know some lucky person who wants to come experience the derby with the four of us. I have an idea. Whoever has the biggest results from their goals and they achieve them well you know you hit your goals we'll put you in a drawing and you get to yeah. come and be our guest hey, we're not above bribes though and, and yeah know, gratuity and gifts and all that stuff so no nope. okay external that. triggers if they mm -hmm. help why not tap that's into them yeah a lot of people have though i mean that's on their bucket list is to go to the derby and you know mm -hmm. it's it's it should be 
So no, it, yeah, I, I can imagine what it's like. I, I've never been to anything like it, but uh, it, it would be it would be the experience of a lifetime. I think. Oddly enough, I just got a uh, text message from a client that I haven't coached for probably five, six years now. And uh, she just stepped in and said, Hey, how are you? Yada, yada, yada. And she said, I'm on the Derby side. I'm at Churchill Downs. I'm trying to figure out what tickets to buy. Can you guide me? And, you know, what do I get for the money? So she'll be here in Louisville for the Derby. She bought her tickets. So right. I'll get to uh, reconnect with an old client and see her while she's in town. Because I think they made them all this is and this is enough derby talk after this, but I think they made them all uh, completely inclusive. So like from now on, they they bumped up the price like huge, like one hundred and fifty, two hundred dollars. The ticket prices went up and but there's no they don't take payment for anything. Uh, I mean, if you bought a souvenir, but like food and drink, including alcohol, you just go up there and just grab it. So um, that sounds almost like a recipe for disaster. <laughs> You know, they did it. They did it last year because of COVID and they didn't want to handle money. They didn't want the lines of dealing with the credit card stuff. So they made all the tickets inclusive last year. And you would have thought that people would have gotten out of control. They really didn't. Nice. Uh, uh, yeah, you can you know? stay home and drink beer in your underwear. So, you know, it's like you're going to the Derby. You're there for the Derby, right? Well, no, there was, there's a lot of really drunk people. At the oh, derby yeah, yeah, yeah. I get it. We, I get we it. saw That's, that, Michael. Yeah. When we went but out it, to I don't dinner. think it has to do anything to do with the price. I just think it has to do with, you know, what people, if, if you're not going to drink because you're there for the Derby, you're not going to drink because you're there for the Derby because beers are free. And exactly. well, you, well, it was that, but then you also probably get people eating more food with, you know, absorbing more of that as well. So there was, it, it, I thought it was it was excellent, but I don't pay for my ticket because I, I get to go as a media member. But uh, but yeah, so I'm all about it. So um, I like I like the uh, go up there, grab a mint julep. I'm one of the weird people who likes mint juleps, but I hate them. The first, I wanted one like nobody's business. Oh, a mint julep that sounds so great. This kind of genteel drink. And you know, I imagine myself sitting on somebody's front porch or, or veranda. veranda. Or I'll and, make you, you know, a mint julep. Sip. And I, I had it and it was like, oh. I never want to do one. another of these things again. I'll, I'll make you one uh, next time you're at the house because we have okay. mint that's been in our family for over 70 years. It's in our growing in our backyard. And I'll, I'll make you a, a real mint julep okay. with good sugar syrup and all that stuff. Okay. I ever tell you the story about, I'm sure I did, the story about the first time that Christy and I got a mint julep? You probably have, but I'm boomer. I forgot already. So, <laughs> Well, we were we were not of age. And uh, the people, my, my parents went ahead and got us one, you know, we were close to of age, but we were, my parents got us one to share. <laughs> close. And, um, and we got to, you know, you got to have the mint julep when they sing my old Kentucky home at, at the Derby. And uh, we got to the bottom of the mint julep and there was a huge cockroach at the bottom <laughs> of the glass. <laughs> oh, I would have remembered that story. Oh, uh, all right. Oh. So. Well, I think we're done. We're out of time. So I hope you enjoyed the conversation <laughs> about accountability. Yeah, As you right. can tell, we were very accountable. Mm -hmm. That's right. All right. Let's get on accountability, Michael. How do most people view accountability? Yeah. So accountability is a weird word. Everybody uses it, but I think most people don't understand what it means. Um, and the Webster's Dictionary, online dictionary, about 18 months ago, and it's maybe changed since then since I've been talking about it so much, but um, they had uh, accountability. And I, and I looked up the definition of accountability online and it was really interesting. Um, didn't surprise me, but, but it was interesting. There were four examples that they gave to kind of give you the, the kind of the, the meaning of the word. I mean, accountability is kind of being able to be held to account, but the examples they were using were um, all negative. They were all some, somebody like my dog bit somebody. I did. I, I failed to hit the goal I was supposed to hit or whatever. They were all four negative outcomes where there was a breakdown. 
And all four examples, three of the four examples had somebody with power punishing somebody with less power for their breakdown as if they intended to have the breakdown, right? And so, in other words, it was assigning not just the fact that there was a breakdown, but it was assigning, assigning blame based upon the intention of the performer. So somebody with power, punishing somebody with less power, placing blame that probably wasn't deserved on them. And it just seemed like a, such a drudgery. Like, like, like accountability was punishment. And what's interesting about that is that most people want to become more accountable. And, and yet, when you think about how people see accountability, they must be masochistic because who wants to be punished like that, right? Well, the real reality is, is that the way that we have defined accountability in the, in the workplace, it means something different than being able to be held to account. And the, and the reason for that is that um, accountability is something that cannot be imposed externally upon anyone. You can't hold anyone accountable because the way that we see accountability, the natural kind of intuitive way that we see accountability is that it's our, our choices and the actions that we take and the ability to create the kind of results that we want to create. Accountability is a very positive thing. It's about living a life of intention in a sense. It's a, it's an intentional thing to do the things that are most productive for you in your life. And we don't always want to do those things, but accountability is the ownership of those actions and being willing to take them. It's got nothing to do with somebody else with power and serving them. It's got to do with serving you. Accountability is for you is how you create results in life. So um, with that definition though, that's one of the reasons we wrote the book because we wanna reframe what, how people see accountability because our view of accountability is not that it's punishment for failure. It's, it's, um, it's really a set of, of choices about the degrees of freedom that you have to create the results that you want, right? And we always have freedom in all situations. Um, you know, so Bringing that's- the word literally into an empowering word, like the word accountability should be empowering. Yes, it should be. It should be because most people see accountability as required for success, but if it's a bitter pill, who wants to take it? Right. But accountability right. is very different. It's about the possibilities. It's about seeing the possibilities and the options in the moment and, and taking action on those things. You might not like the situation you're in. Something bad could have happened, but what, what, um, what the reality is, is that it's, it's like, that's so what, right. That's what, so what, it's, it's what can you do now to get what you want to get? That's the power of accountability. It's about the potential for the future. And I think, I think that's one of the things is that really our, our goal is to help people really reframe their view of accountability. And, and uh, Jean-Paul Sartre, I can't pronounce his name correctly. So I exaggerate. Sartre. Sartre. Isn't that right? He's some French guy who, you know, the French, they got to, they got to get easier names to pronounce. It's Jean-Paul Sartre. I, I'm going to say it that way. And nobody ever says it that way. So, you know, okay. Um, here's his quote though. Here's the point. Man is condemned to be free because once thrown into the world, he is responsible for everything he does. It is up to you to give life a meaning. Freedom is what we do with what is done to us. And, and so the point of that is, is that, you know, the world doesn't always give us the outcomes we're looking for. Things happen, right? Bad things happen. Good things happen. Um, we don't control those outcomes. All we control is the way we think and the way we act, the choices we make and the actions we take. And I think that's where um, the power of accountability really arises is that we have freedom in all situations. And, and so if you're, if you're accountable, if you're an accountable mindset, you're no long, vic you're no long victim to circumstance. If you have a victim mindset, 
And I'm not talking about people who've really been victimized. And that, that's, we, we clarified that in the book, but a victim mindset is somebody who, who blames external events and other people for their situation in life. And so when they blame external events and people, they are stuck because you know what you can't change? You can't change external events and you can't change other people. All you can really change is you. The power you have is inside your head. And so what we want to do is reframe the, what we're blaming. <laughs> Instead of blaming external things, you know, identifying yourself what can change and what needs to change to accomplish what you want to accomplish. And so that, that in a nutshell is the book. And I think, I think the thing about that is most people intuitively know that. But when we go to work, we experience something entirely different. So there's the personal journey of accountability, which I just kind of covered. And then there's the, the leadership journey, right? So leaders, when I said you can't hold people accountable, there's a whole industry, consulting industry, um, technology industry, this whole systems they call accountability systems that are automated. And I mean, Kristen's this, basically one of those. Yeah. I yeah. Mean, yeah. She is, but but she but she's got the healthy accountability side of this. I'm talking right. about the negative side, right? Sure, now. sure, the sure. Negative side is yeah. that they have all these systems and tools and trainings how to hold people accountable. But what that really, when you boil it down, what it really is is consequence management, right? So as a leader, I'm overstepping the bounds of healthy accountability when I try to apply consequences to change performance for my people because I have to step in the role of deciding what's best for the people that I'm working with, right? So I'm a leader, the people that, that I work with as a leader, I have to assume that I know what's best for them. Here's the, here's the success formula for you. And I've decided that's what it is. And now you come in and you either do what I'm telling you to do to hit those success factors, or you don't. And based upon what you do, I'm going to either apply positive consequences. I'm going to give you the carrot. Or if you don't do what, you know, something breaks down, you don't get the result I'm expecting. Then I apply negative consequences as if you chose to fail, which is probably not the case, but I'm punishing you on top of the failure. So this is really unpleasant culture that gets created by that approach. Now it works. So I'm just going to say a caveat to all you people who say, well, I got to do that. It does work. If you apply consequences to performance for a performer, their performance will improve. Negative consequences will get you up to a minimum standard. And as soon as you stop applying negative consequences, performance will drop back off, right? Um, positive consequences will get you to, to discretionary effort beyond the minimum standard. However, at some point, those positive consequences stop being effective because the pain of the work becomes greater than the benefit of the, of the reward you're getting. Here's the interesting thing, though, is that you get this kind of almost but not quite result. Because when you apply consequences effectively to really get the full value from consequences and have them do what you want, you have to continually observe performers. And as soon as they either do something right or wrong, you have to apply the appropriate consequence. The longer, in other words, if, if negative, immediate, and certain consequences or positive, immediate, and certain consequences, those are the structures you need to get the most out of consequences. So the, pra the practical reality is, is that if you're a leader and you're trying to be immediate with those things, you've got a full-time job just watching a few people, right? And then applying the consequences. You can't do that. So as soon as you start to get away from that, that, you know, that approach, as soon as you stop getting consequences out at the appropriate times, the, the, the impact on performance is degraded. Plus, plus who wants to get hammered and given sticks, right? You get a culture of this resentment and pushback. So I'm not going to paint the totally negative picture. You can get performance improvements by implying consequences, but there's a cost that's often hidden that's, that in my view, can be greater than the benefits of the consequence management system. Now, when we talk about holding people accountable, we're talking about something we can't do. But when we talk about holding people capable, confronting them with the opportunities in front of them, confronting them with the choices that they have and saying, look, you can either 
decide that this outcome is something you want to accomplish. And if so, here are the things that help you to accomplish that. Here's the, here's the other side. If you don't do those things, here's the other outcome, the other consequence that gets created. And it maybe means you can't be part of my team. Not that you're a bad person, just not a good fit, but, but it's up to you. If you want to be here and be great, here's the choices that, that lead to that. If you, if you want to be here and, and you want to leave, right? You don't want to be great. You want to be mediocre or, or get fired. Here are the set of or choices and consequences that lead from that. So you just confront them with the reality of the system that they're in and, and then, and then confront them, right? It's not passive. Holding people capable is not, it's not passive, but you confront them with their choices and the consequences of those choices, but the choice is always up to them, which is where choice always resides is with the individual. So anyway, I'm not going to give you the whole story, but, but we really want to shift leadership thinking about accountability away from these punishment and reward schemes that create the opposite almost of what they're trying to create. The culture, the culture is, is toxic very often. And they resent you as the leader to, to this other culture where people look to you for help. They look, they, they have their goals and you're there to identify the, the mental blind spots they have and, and help them get the techniques and the training they need so that they can do what they want to do. Not everybody's going to respond to that model. And it does take some effort and some time. But if you, if you do that, you have a culture of accountability and ownership. And you, you, I want to be clear here. You still have high standards. It's your business. You can set the standards high. And I think high standards are really powerful. In fact, research shows that if you have high standards, employee morale goes up. Um, and then you've got to have feedback systems and you've got to measure it. Measurement is still clearly part of this process, but, it, but the measures are owned by the performer. They care about the measures, right? It's not you hammering them for what they didn't do. It's them looking at the situation and then coming to you for help. So I know I've covered a lot of stuff, but um, you know, what we're really not, not, not really getting is we're not getting the benefit of accountability in our lives and in our businesses because we misunderstand the power of true accountability. And that's really what we try to hit with our book on common accountability. So if I haven't turned everybody off, um, well, I, don't, I think you just did the exact opposite. So, I mean, your book sales, if, if you just listen to that and you don't go by the book then and go read the book, then there's probably something, uh, something. Then I don't know why you're listening to the show actually. So Kristen, what were you going to say? Well, I want to bring this back to you, Mike, and, and your view on accountability and how it has shifted in this, this, um, vision and this goal of, of tripling your income and how that's, that's also trickled down to your, your agents. Yeah. I mean, uh, again, tripling our, what the, the volume number for us is really, uh, kind of boils itself down to the number of people that we get to serve and help and whatever else. I mean, that's, what's the most important for us, but we've taken this, I feel like head on, you know, number one, the, the peer to peer accountability that we've done at the office is definitely have that culture and the ownership that, um, that everyone's starting to feel for their goal and for their part of, of the company is extremely important because, you know, we easily could, we know, you know, from Andrew's perspective, especially from where his former brokerage, the same negative accountability and was, was in place. And he was either going to get, um, things taken away from him. He's going to get punished or he was going to be staying in status quo. And that's a very common sales mindset, uh, sales environment. Whereas here it's like, Hey, here are the things to do. It's like, you know, you've got the freedom to do it. You're going to, you want to, you say you want to go after this stuff. Here's the, the roadmap. You know, we're working right now on when people join our office, kind of helping them with some predetermined 12 week year plans just to kind of get them in the habit of it. And then, how we 
uh, systematically kind of waned them off. And so that the plans, they started to have more and more ownership over their plan um, to go after the goals that they want to have. And the peer-to-peer accountability that they do with you, there's a little bit of uh, uh, peer-to-leader accountability, but it's always coming from the perspective of not how I view your performance, but for you to report to me and tell me how I can help you get there. And understanding what obstacles can I take out of your way? What's what tools do we not have that we maybe need to consider getting? And, and then I can weigh all that stuff against our values and our principles and see if it's a good fit and um, make sure that we're moving in the in the right direction. And it's been it's been empowering. I think our I mean it's definitely led our culture was good, but I think our right now I mean our culture I'll put our culture at our office up against anybody's. So. Yeah, I would too. I would too. And I'm, we're, we're just seeing, you know, on a continual basis, some of those accountability stories are, are small in, in terms of the impact may seem minor to the, the end results we're looking for versus some of those bigger stories that we've really put the spotlight on. But what I really want to talk about is, is, you know, the ownership of the, the culture that you're trying to, to grow. There's an accountability piece to your culture as well. Yeah, I, I think there is. And I think that they've taken that on. I mean, that's one of the reasons why it's not like anyone who walks through our front door with a license and says, I want to join RE Solutions is going to be able to come to RE Solutions. I mean, uh, if if one of our processes is that people come to a, an office meeting. And you're building an ever more accountable culture. I mean, yeah. Mike, that's that's what you're describing. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and they got they get say like if people get a weird feeling about someone joining our office they get say, and that happens where, you know, we just decide that it's probably not the best fit for them. So I think that's part of the problem, you know, not problem, part of the, of being a small brokerage though, too, is like, you know, one, one bad fit can do a whole lot of damage. And so we got to make sure that every fit we bring on is a hell yes. um, Or, or to no. Right. And you know, what you'll find, and you may have already found this is that your team itself will reject the non-fitters. Because oh, they definitely will. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and I, I got good people. I mean, it's not to say like they're click. It's not clicky, and you know. No. And I, I want to go back to another thing you said, Michael, because I think this was another thing that was important. You were talking about the reward systems and all that stuff too, and I do think that one part that's led to our culture is in one of the the key things that we're trying to do in 2022 as a leadership team is to celebrate and recognize. Mm-hmm. But that's different than a reward system. Yeah. It's different than saying that you're guaranteeing, hey, if you do this, you're going to get this versus, yeah. hey, I recognize what you're doing and we're going to celebrate it. Well, I think it, it, there's nothing wrong with a quid pro quo system, right? So right. Um, you sell, you, you find a house I want to buy, I buy the house, you get paid. You don't find the house I want to buy, then I don't buy it and you don't get paid. So that's, a, that's fine. That's just the way the universe works, right? But it's, it's not that you're stepping in the middle of that, right? So I feel like, okay, this, this, the thing you did wasn't what I wanted. So now I'm going to step in and whack you as opposed to just let you suffer the consequences. And ultimately I may fire you. We threw all of our paddles out, by the way, all, all, every one of the paddles got thrown out. That's good. Yeah. You know, except for the one you have locked in your office. I saw that. So, but, um, you know, that the mindset is that you fire somebody, you don't, they fire themselves. The standards are unnegotiable. And if you hit the standards, you're golden. If you miss the standards, then, you know, you're not a bad person. You just can't play in the team. And I don't mean once. I mean, like if you continually just continually. Not, yeah. yeah. 
Uh, Kristen? You guys are carrying the show today. This is good stuff. I love this between you two. Well, I think we got to kind of wrap it up. I mean, I, we could go on and on and on. I mean, we could do a whole, you know, maybe we will. We'll do a whole nother monthly theme on accountability and uh, making sure. Because I think that this is a topic, um, a concept that we've got to reinforce so that people completely change the way they feel about accountability. That accountability is ownership. And my job as a leader is a whole people capable of going after those goals. Because I know as a leader, uh, as someone who has somewhat walked the path that the, the agents are going to be walking in front of me, I know some of the uh, roadblocks and obstacles and um, th- the things that are going to get in their way that are going to make them feel defeated and, you know, helping them through that and letting them know that they can overcome it and that they can do this and choice. And there's part of the growth and, and, you know, all the choice stuff that as a leader, I can, I can help that, that path and um so it's more yeah. fun isn't it i mean oh, so yeah, it's, it's not fun for most people <clears throat> but but kind of confronting people with choices and helping them grow that's a lot of fun and yeah. you're all about growth like one of the things about you is that that if, if i know anything about you in the time that we've known each other is that you are always looking to grow personally and, and professionally and and that rubs off on your team and and people be making choices that are more productive for them as part of that, that growth path. Right. I, I, maybe some point later, we'll talk about the, the, my personal accountability journey, journal journey, as I wrote the book on a common accountability with Brian. Um, you know, I, I, there was things on that pathway that, that I made choices that I probably um, in retrospect shouldn't have made. And it, it, the book was a lot harder to write than it really needed to be. And there were things that happened externally that kind of contributed to that, but there was also this pathway of, maybe not me necessarily being as accountable about some things that I was pretending not to know um, in the process. Right. So I learned, I mean, nobody's perfectly accountable. Nobody's perfectly unaccountable. We're all in the spectrum of, you know, somewhere between those two poles. And I think that, you know, ironically writing the book helped me uncover some areas in which in my own life, I could be more accountable. All right. So uh, any parting words beyond that, Kristen? Oh, I think that was a mic drop there. There it is. Unintended. Okay. <laughs> well, the two mics are going to uh, leave as well as Kristen. So we appreciate you guys listening. Make sure you're tuning in, subscribing, sharing, leaving us a review. Um, and if you have questions or comments, you can reach us at coach at alignlifepro.com. And uh, yeah, a great episode. We're going to be back next time with a little bit of a check-in. It'll be the, the last episode in February. So you get to kind of get our update of what's going on with the business. And then we'll, announce and launch our theme for March. So we kind of already did that, I guess, last episode, but uh, we'll formally announce and launch our theme for March. All right. We'll see you guys next time. This is the Align Life Pro. You have been listening to Next Level by the Align Life Pro. If you have any questions or comments, you can send them to coach at alignlifepro.com. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next week.